Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today, as I told you at the beginning, we get to the prophet Zephaniah. And if there are some that you don't know, I'm pretty sure he's on the list, right? Either A, never read, B, never heard of, C, don't know where the book is in the Bible. If you don't know anything about him, if there's a list of those, he probably makes it. So today we're looking at him, and he sounds a lot like other prophets. So you'll see a lot of themes come up again as we look at Zephaniah. We've looked at this quite a bit. The minor prophets are often called the Twelve. And the reason they're called the Twelve is after they were all written by the prophets, and then generations later, people were copying them again and, and distributing it, had it in the temple as God's word. Then, then the shorter ones that these are got put into one book, one scroll. So Isaiah's huge, it's its own. All these little ones got put onto one, so they're called the Twelve, and it was one scroll, one book. So that's why they kind of go together, not because they live together. A lot of them were in many different places. We've seen ones go to Nineveh and Edom, Israel and Judah, north and south. There's Zephaniah, 630 B.C., Israel before Judah, the southern kingdom, before the Babylonians come and, and take over. And so the, it's very important for what I'm going to tell you in a minute, and that is the order matters. So we have all these 12 in a book, and we're two-thirds of our way through, and it starts with, even though we didn't do them in order, starts with Hosea in the Bible. So Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, you hopefully heard of them now because we've done all of those. Today, Zephaniah, and then the next number of weeks, the last three, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And I told you the order matters. So who's first? Hosea. And do you remember anything about Hosea? Hosea is maybe one of the only ones other than Jonah that we have a story about, we know something about other than just things they said. And what was Hosea's story? God asked him to marry Gomer. God asked him to do a hard thing so that Hosea's life became this living picture of God and God's people. And so God is the faithful husband, like Hosea, he asked Hosea to be, and Gomer, or God's people, us, was the unfaithful wife who was a prostitute at times and kept wandering away unfaithful and had to be brought back from slavery or bought back from slavery at one point even by her husband. So that's the first of the 12. That's the story you're supposed to have in your head the whole time as you read all of the other ones. So Hosea and Gomer describes all of the other books. It describes God's relationship with his people, and we should put ourselves in there now, you and me too. So every new book we read, you're supposed to see God as the loving, faithful husband and his people, yes, you and me, as the unfaithful, adulterous, wandering bride whom God loved anyway. And God saved anyway, completely at God's own expense. Why? Because God is love. So in Hosea, we, we saw that you can break God's heart, but you still cannot break God's love. And you see that through all of the prophets. God is heartbroken when we walk away and when we're unfaithful. And we can break God's heart by our sin, by our disobedience, by our idolatry, and by our treatment of others. And, and yes, there's consequences for sin, but you cannot break God's love. God loves you and saves you at his own cost and forgives you because that's who God is. 
And so with every prophet, we see another angle of this image. With every other prophet we've looked at, we've seen a new version of that picture of God and God's people, as we really saw in Hosea and Gomer. God loves his people, and he wants a relationship with us, and he wants us to trust and obey and hope in God. That's it. First commandment, have no other gods. What does this mean? Fear, love, and trust in God above all things. But they don't. That's where the story goes, right? Over and over and over again, God's people are unfaithful. And so at times then, God has very harsh words for them to want to call them back. So here's where we are then in Zephaniah. Zephaniah begins, like many others, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah. says who he is, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amri, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the king, king of Judah. And then it goes downhill from there, right? The word of the Lord, and then what is it? God says, I will utterly sweep everything away from the face of the earth. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Okay, this is not going well. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and Jerusalem, capital of Judah. I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal, false gods that they're worshiping, and the name of the idolatrous priests along with priests, so priests of Baal and along with priests supposed to be worshiping the true God, who bow down and swear to the Lord, yet also then swear by Milcom, also known as Molech. So you have God's priests doing double, right? Worship, say they're worshiping God, but then go worship Molech as well. Those who have turned their back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord. So yes, it can sound harsh, and, and it gets even harsher when he talks about the day of the Lord coming. What this has to do with is God is love and God is just. And it's a challenge at times for us to hold these two together because we like to talk about God's love and forgiveness, and it's probably harder for us to talk about God's justice, that God is just. God loves the right things happening in God's world. God loves to see us acting rightly towards each other, loving our neighbors, taking care of them. God loves to see that. And so love and justice or judgment, as we've seen, if you've been here at all this summer, you've seen us, you've heard me talk about judgment. Big theme in the prophets. And the short recap of it is this. God is good, and because God is good, God is against evil. Always. God is against evil in all forms, everywhere, always. And it's not that God is moody or irrational or shoot from the hip mad at his people. No. God's character is the same in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. God is love. God is good. And God wants good for his world. And therefore, God is always against evil. And so, yes, God is always against racism and slavery and oppression and exploitation God is against hunger, and God is against starving children. God is against taking innocent people's lives wherever they are, whether it's a baby in a womb or a sick person that nobody thinks has value to society anymore. God is against murder and adultery and genocide and businesses cheating employees and people not caring for their neighbors, you name it. God is against evil, and God promises to come and do something about it. God promises to finally come and sort it out all one day and make things right. And the prophets call this the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. That God will come and make things right. God will come and and end every evil. That no crime is done without God knowing. God sees. God knows. God is just. God will come one day and make it right. The day of the Lord is coming. 
And so in verse 7, I'm not going to put it up here, but you can see it in the bulletin. Verse 7, then God says, be silent before the Lord. The day of the Lord is near. And you hear the day of the Lord repeated. The day of the Lord is near. It's hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. Well, it's bitter for those doing evil. Mighty man cries aloud the day of wrath that is near, day of distress and anguish, ruin, devastation, a day of darkness and gloom. And God says, I will bring distress on humankind so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Neither will their silver or gold be able to deliver them on the day of wrath of the Lord. What we have, what we earn, what we produce cannot save us before God. Only God can do that. That's, uh, in some ways, a call to believe the gospel right there in, in verse 18. Neither your silver or your gold will ever be able to deliver you from the day of wrath of the Lord. Only God can do that back then and now. So you cannot hide from God. Every selfish thought, every lustful thought, every greedy thought, every racist thought, every nasty word spoken or thought, every hateful, spiteful thing, God knows you can't escape. But that's not the end of the story. But I think a good example, modern example of this day of the Lord, it's coming, it could come anytime, be ready for it, is, uh, I mentioned a little bit about this early in the summer, but the Me Too movement. So in the past number of years, few years, many men in powerful positions have been outed for most often sexually abusive behavior. And many thought they had gotten away with it for many years or even decades, only now to face consequences. So you might say justice has finally come. Now, can you imagine the victims, women who have suffered abuse, which has long-term effects, and many had long-term counseling and healing, and then to suffer more pain upon that, knowing that it seems like that person got away with it. But then now, as many and many have, have stories have come out and allegations that have been true come out in the past number of years, I've heard people say, well, it almost seems like you're sitting around wondering who's next. With every day, who's going to be the next person that you're going to hear something about? So there's this wondering of, of who's going to be out any day? Who, who's next? Which, which respected public figure might be the next to have damaging allegations come out and their careers ended? And the sense that it could be anyone and it could be today and it could be, and you're just kind of wondering, that's the sense of the day of the Lord. It, it's coming. Justice is coming. It is coming. And it is a good thing. That's how the prophets talk about the day of the Lord. But here's the difference between those two things. The difference is this. God is just. God always gets it right. Human justice isn't always right. So me personally, when I hear of any new public allegation, I just pray that the full truth comes out because truth is good and justice are needed. So I I want the truth and justice out. And I know that sometimes humans can get it wrong, but God never does. God is just. God will get it right. The day of the Lord is coming, and evil will be judged. But guess what? Guess what? Through all of this, there's something that God really wants. What is it? God wants His people to live in relationship with Him, to love, trust, obey, and hope in God. That's all God wanted. That's why God saved Him from Egypt, to be with His people. That's why God saved you in Jesus, to be with you and you with him. So what does God still want from you and me? He wants you to trust and obey and hope in God alone. So here it is. The day of the Lord is coming, and this, I've tried to summarize each book for you as we've gone through each new one. And here's what I can do on Zephaniah. The day of the Lord is coming. 
trust, obey, and hope in God alone. What God really wants is his people to trust him. What God really wants is a relationship with his people. That's why he saved you. That's why Jesus came to earth to live, die, and rise for you. That's what we sing, I know that my Redeemer lives. Yes, God still wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants you to trust him and to obey him and to hope in God. So let's briefly look at each of those. Yes, the day of the Lord is coming. Trust, obey, and hope in God alone. Because those three words summarize a lot of the prophets, a lot, a lot of what we've done this summer. So now that we're over two-thirds of the way and kind of collecting many things and, and putting them back together. So trust. The day of the Lord is coming. Trust in God alone. So for this, we have to go to Zephaniah 3, which was the other part of your reading. Chapter 1 was the judgment for the people's sin. In chapter 3, there's some in between too. Go home and read it over lunch. It's a good book. Chapter 3 is God saying that I love you anyways and I will still save you and I will change you. So chapter 3, here I will put this up for you. Starting at verse 14, God says, Sing aloud, daughter of Zion. Shout, Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. And he has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, that day, day of the Lord, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let your hands grow weak. And it gets even better than this, the last few verses. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt you with loud singing. Over lunch later, go find out how many he wills there are in the end of chapter 3. All the things God says he will do. But I think the best one is 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you. You see, God has taken your judgment away from you. Zephaniah points straight to Jesus, hundreds of years later, but straight to Jesus who stretched out his arms and said, it is finished. He is the mighty one who has saved you and has removed your sin from you. And God rejoices over you. Have you ever thought about it that way? It's absolutely true. God rejoices over you. That's how much he loves you. It's not because you've earned it or deserved it or done enough. It's because God is love and God won't give up on you. So you can trust him. Trust him with your future, with your eternity, but even with your health and with your marriage. You can trust him with your fears. You can trust him. Trust in God alone. For God so Love the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves you enough to leave heaven's throne and come down and put on your pair of shoes and carry your pain. God comes to be with you. God comes to save you. And God wants you to trust him. Trust in God alone. Second thing, obey. I would say as Lutherans, we're less good at talking about this. Obeying God. Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you will do what I command. And what did Jesus command? He said, love each other as I have loved you. As Jesus sacrificed all for you out of love, he wants you to love your neighbors as yourselves. Serve others as you've been served. Do what God wants. 
Act justly, as we saw in Micah. Work for God's justice. Obey God. You will have no greater joy in life than to do God's will. Anything else than doing God's will is kind of like settling for a gas station hot dog when prime rib is being offered. You might think it's good for a minute, and the first bite might taste good, but you will regret it. (laughs) Doing God's will is always worth it. Trust God and obey God alone. And then third, hope. Hope in God alone. So Zephaniah spoke of the day of the Lord, the day that's coming. And it's come in part. Jesus has died and has risen for you. That day come, but he has not returned yet. But he will. We confess in the creed that he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. Jesus will come again to make all things right. And for those that trust in Jesus, that's really good news. You see, God knows your pain. God knows what you've suffered or what you're suffering right now. God knows all the ways that you've been wronged in your life. He knows all the ways that you've been mistreated or or cheated. He, He knows how your heart aches to have your loved one back. And he knows how you long for all that pain to go away. God knows all of that. And there is a day coming when Jesus will come and make all things right and turn your pain into joy, hope in God alone. You see, there is a day coming. Hunger will be no more, as Revelation tells us. Injustice will end forever. All evil will end. The world will be put back together the way it was meant to be. And all people will see the risen Jesus coming to judge and to save forever. And those who trust in Jesus, this is great news. Hope in God alone. So let's put it together. Oop, went too far. And hopefully you can take it with you today. Say it with me if you can read it. The day of the Lord is coming. Trust, obey, and hope in God alone. One more time. The day of the Lord is coming. Trust, obey, and hope in God alone. May the peace of Christ, which surpasses all of our understandings, guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.